Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. So today is our 22nd anniversary as a church. Can we put our hands together for that? So 22 years ago to the day, uh, Pastor Rick started New Life Church in a car dealership in downtown Conway, uh, have not looked back since, uh, had no uh, anticipation that years later they would have, uh, they would be a multi-site church. It happened uh, accidentally. He actually said, if I move from Baton Rouge to Conway and have a church of 100 people, I'm going to be the happiest pastor in, in the world. And so, um, as, as you know, it, it took off and um, kind of exploded on us. And so we just passed uh, being nine years as a campus here in January. And so I'm thankful for all of you who make New Life Church your home. We could not do what we do without you on any level at, 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 at all. So I'm going to hop into uh, the message today. Last week, we began a series called Humans. And um, the preface of this series is to focus specifically on challenges that are found in our human condition. And although that sounds very, very broad, and it is, um, we're going to just drill down on a few of them because that, that list would just be extremely long of all the challenges that, that we have. But last week, we talked about the rub and the reward both of reconciliation. What does it look like to circle back? What does it look like to let God do a work in our lives in the form of restoration? To go past the point of forgiveness and let God heal something up. And so we kind of left you in that pocket to give you a moment with the Holy Spirit this week to say, is there anyone in my life that you want me to just take pause and give you the opportunity to restore something in my life. And I hope that, that you have, have taken some inventory um, personally of your own heart and spirit. This morning, I'm gonna tackle a topic that would seem to be a very common sense, but it's actually one that the church is struggling with um, globally. Um, it is terrible to hear some of the stories. You have read some of those things. You've talked to people um, who are also churchgoers and believe that a fellowship is part of their Christian journey. And so today I'm going to be talking about the topic of lordship and what does that even mean. So I think for the purposes of the message, I need to give a working definition so that you even know what, what does that mean, what, what am I actually talking about. And so let's look at this definition of lordship. Lordship is going to be to willingly and consistently place ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ, regardless of our need for self-preservation and self-promotion. Okay, I want to read it one more time. To willingly and consistently place ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ, regardless 
of our need for self-preservation and self-promotion. The reason I added those last two things, self-preservation and self-promotion, is because there is a major theme through Scripture where this is taught. When Paul specifically addresses churches and says, I'm going to decrease so that he may increase. I'm going to crucify myself daily. It was this this language of saying, I have to get to this place where I am losing my life in order to gain a better one. It's a huge theme, one that is very tough because we are innately on every level of our existence survivors. We want our thoughts to survive, our relationships to survive, our worldviews to survive what we do, what we build, the things that we spend our life energy on. We want those things to live on. We use words like legacy, um, inheritance. We want to give something back as we leave this life, and we want to self-preserve. But there's also something deeper than that in us. It's this self-promotion. We want to see value in ourselves, and that's not a bad thing, but it can be. When we look at our life and we go, I believe that what I am doing is not just important, it is the most important, and then you fill in the blank behind it. It is in us, we struggle, no matter what angle you wanna take to look at that and study it out, we've always struggled with this self-preservation and self-promotion, and along comes Christ, and he says, you're gonna have to follow me. This isn't about me following you around your entire life, just blessing you and giving you what you want, but you've got to follow me. And so, again, this theme in Scripture of him saying, follow me, come to me, be close to me, abide in me, Um, This language of saying, leave whatever it is that you've got going on, follow me, and once you've done that, your passions are going to shift. Your outlook is going to shift. Your perspective is going to shift. So follow me. It's a lordship thing. And so today, I want you to go to your Bible or your Bible app, and we're going to look at two different places. I'd like for you to go to both, okay? But this is Luke chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 4. While you're turning, let me make a plug for version. We use this all of the time. It's amazing. If you don't have this app, get it right now. And you can also get today's notes on it. Okay, Luke chapter 5, Matthew chapter 4. Let's read those two together. I'm going to read Luke 5, 10 and 11 first. This is the calling of the first disciples. Then Jesus said to Simon... Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything. Everybody say left everything. And followed him. The King James Version says they forsook all. And this is odd in and of of itself. Why would two people who have never met each other, why would one drop everything and go? There was something very spiritual about this moment that we don't know about. 
There's a lot more that's going on in the context of this writing than just, hey, why don't y'all come on? There's a lot more there. But the end result is this. They left everything, and they followed him. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers. They're Peter and Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake. I love Matthew because he says, because they were fishermen. He just wants you to know these aren't just two weird guys out in the middle of the water. Okay, They were throwing uh, their nets out because they were fishermen. Verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets. Everybody say they left their nets. And they followed him, verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John. They were in a boat with their father preparing their nets. Jesus called them, verse 22, and immediately they left the boat. Everybody say left the boat. And their father and followed him. Now this is big, okay? I want to start this whole talk today by saying this. There has to be somewhere in your life there's got to be an abandoned boat. Somewhere in your journey with Christ, there's got to be a boat left somewhere, an asset, an option that you walked away from in order to follow him. Because God doesn't always call us away from nothing into something. Oftentimes he calls you away from something into something better. And so as he says, follow me, it needs to be felt, right? It needs to have some weight to it. It needs to be something that you look at and go, I'm going to follow you because even though I've got a good thing going, I want to go from good to great. And what I sense in you is great. And somewhere in our life, somewhere in our story, there's got to be an abandoned boat. There's got to be something left behind. Some examples of that. Some of you in this room, and I, I took this just from conversations I've had with, with a lot of you. Some of you walked away from a career to follow Christ. Like, like you felt like what you were doing was not honoring God and you left it. That's an abandoned boat. Some of you left comfort. Like you, you made a move. You changed cities. You changed jobs. You changed a lifestyle. And you gave away comfort. Your abandoned boat is in the form of comfortability, and you walked away from it to follow Christ. And I know that because you told me. Some of you walked away from a person. Like you said, I'm, I'm seriously dating this person. I think I love them. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about, and then suddenly God does something in your life and you begin to look at the two of you and you go, I'm not sure the compatibility remains if I'm following Christ and they are not. And you calculated all of that, and you, you wrote it all out, and you made a pros and a cons list, and you prayed about it, and you fasted about it, and the end result was you walked away from a relationship that you were invested in, had your heart in, had some dreams in, 
and you walked away from it, and so your boat has a name to it. And you abandoned your boat. So career and comfort and person, and some of you walked away from passion. I don't even know if he's in the room right right now, but I, I was going to pick on him a little bit. Our student pastor, Johnson, you guys may, may know him, but he had a full-ride scholarship to play foot, football. He was a great running back for Cersei, did some great things. Uh, they won state his senior year. First offensive play of the game, he tore his leg up, was out, and I was just like, oh, I'm blown away, you know, for this guy. And his attitude was so great about it. But fast forward that, he had an opportunity to go on and play college ball and turned it down. He just said, I just don't feel like that's what God wants us to do. And even me, I was like, are you sure? Because God does love football. He's into it. You could be his number one back. He's like, I'm sure. He talked to people who love him. He, he got counsel. He talked to pastors. He talked to his family members. And... He just told them all, listen, you guys got to let it go. This is just what I want to do with my life. And he's got so much zeal for ministry. It's just something special between him and God. So you can have career and comfort or a person or your passions, and you walk away from them because they are abandoning the boat. I pray all of you are reminded of that. Wherever it was, whatever moment, whatever season you were in, when you decided to truly follow and go after Christ wholeheartedly, what did that look like for you to abandon the boat? But because we are human, there are those who struggle with the idea of lordship. And this is just where the modern church is right now. It's a struggle for lordship. I think every pastor feels it. I think in some way every church feels it. I think because of that, when the church is confused, the community is always confused. And so the community, society, lordship has now got a question mark behind it rather than an exclamation point. But this isn't a, a, a new problem. Matthew 10 tells us that in verse 17, as Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down. He said, what must I do to be saved? Looking at the man, Jesus felt love for him. And he says, there's still one thing that you haven't done. This is verse 21. He told him, go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor. You will have your treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the Bible says in verse 22, at this, the man's face fell. He became sad because he had many possessions. This man was calculating. I got all this. You want me to let go of this? My boat is full of stuff, things. My identity is in it. I've worked hard for all of this. And I don't think it was that Jesus was saying, I want to take a person of wealth and make them poor. I think it was much deeper than that. I think it was, you've got your identity in that, so give it away and put your identity in me. And as you can tell, in this particular case, he said, I'm not going to abandon this thing. And I'm very sad. I'm very sad that I can't gain eternal life in some other way. 
I'm very bothered by that. I, I wish that you would have told me anything different. I would have done it. I would be baptized. I would, I would go to a class. I would attend a church, whatever it is, but I do not want to part with the story of my life and the treasures that I have accumulated. He could not abandon his boat, and this becomes a lordship issue. And there may be some of you in this room today where you have walked away from some things, but not all things. And so you've kept a little bit for yourself. And it's, it's a, a, a Ananias and Sapphira type thing. I'm going to, to give some, but not all. It's, it's Achan and his tent where he hid something in the ground and said, I'm going to be perceived as one way, but the truth is I've done something completely different than what God has asked of me. It's a lordship issue. So today I, I want to address two very big lies that we have believed that restrict complete lordship in our lives. The first one is this, that God's word is flexible or negotiable. Scripture as we know it, and I don't believe that it's, it's conclusive. The gospels themselves say, we could not write fast enough. There was so much going on that if we wrote it all down, it would fill libraries. We have a very small snippet of the story of our God. I mean, think about the thickness of your Bible, even those of you who have a large print. And then you think about just all the books that we could put together on the subject of world history. How thick would those be? So I want you to think about it. It's a very small, just, just a look through a keyhole. So we're left wanting more. You know, Paul routinely calls it the mysteries of God. There's so much that, that's out there. But what we do have is not bendable. It's not flexible. It's not negotiable. And some people have a word problem or a Bible problem because they have a sin problem. So they have taught themselves to say, this is good and this is good and this is good, but this part here, I'm just going to ignore it and write it off because it applies directly to me. And if I really adhere to that, I'm going to have to change some things. So I'm willing to like get out of the boat for a while. I'm willing to dry dock it. I'm willing to sand it. I'm willing to clean it. I'm willing to shine it. Whatever I got to do, but I'm not willing to really abandon the boat. One of the largest reasons humanity is not willing to abandon the boat is because they want to be right rather than be righteous. So there's this strong desire to be right. I want to be right. I want to be heard. This is, this is what culture is like right now. I want to make a post. I want to see how many of you will get behind it. I want you to like it, affirm it, make some comments about it because I want to be in my own mind, somebody who is right. And many will spend their lives trying to punch holes in theology so they can live in such a way that pleases themselves rather than pleases Christ. 
it's a hard pill sometimes to read a verse and go, whoa, I got to make some adjustments and just swallow, just get it down. Just get you a big old glass of water and take it in and make the adjustments instead of trying to spend years punching holes in it and trying to say, well, this is not the right context and this was applied to a specific culture and that culture is no longer like ours so it's no longer applicable and on and on and on. Sometimes it's better to just take it and go, that's for me. And listen, if your issue about punching holes in theology is about a moral issue, I get it, I do. Because we all wish that there were some things that were not in there so that we could do what we want to do. But it's not okay. So a cautionary statement is this. Don't lie to yourself so that you can live the way you want and then call it Christianity. Okay? Don't spend your life just lying to yourself because we are the only created species who can do this. We tell ourselves a lie and we can actually believe it. Here's, here's a hard truth. I told you this at the deconstruction series last January, but I'm gonna pull it back up. Here's, here's a, a big truth, okay? So here comes a bucket of cold water. I warned you, all right? That was a warning. If you wanted to be a Muslim, but you went to the Muslim community and you told them, I believe in Allah, I believe he is God, but I do not believe that Muhammad is his prophet. I believe Allah is God, but I do not believe Muhammad is his prophet. Or you said something like, out of the 86 Meccan chapters in the Quran, I only believe 40 of them. You know what they would tell you? You are not a Muslim. You just aren't. You can't believe half of the story. You can't say Allah is God, but Muhammad is not his prophet because that's not being a Muslim. You can't say out of the 86 chapters, you only believe 40 because that's not being a Muslim. So translate that into Christianity. You cannot say, I believe Matthew, but I don't believe Mark. Or you can say, I believe Jesus was a good guy, but he did not resurrect you, you can't split hairs on it. So you cannot change the narrative of Jesus or his definition of righteousness and still be a Christian. God's word is not negotiable. His word is like a lion, and you do not have to defend a lion. You just got to turn it loose. It will defend itself. So as followers of Jesus, just believe it. Just get into it. Just love it. Embrace it. Value it. All the good, all the bad, all the ugly, all the questions, all the things that you feel like contradict, all of the context. Just love the peace. Love it as, as a gift. Because what makes you a Christian is receiving Christ and acknowledging him as Lord, which means that we aren't. This is the biggest thing about Christianity. It's not, like, it's not like salvation becomes a Swiss army knife. Christianity is not your tool. Jesus is your Lord. 
okay? So that's lie num- number one. Lie number two is that belief is greater than blood. Okay, belief is greater than blood. Current schools of thought make belief the end all. Why don't you think about that? Isn't that what our culture seems to be like right now? Belief. I believe, the words, I believe are often the header and footer of every conversation, every debate. Well, I believe that, blank, 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 blank. Well, I believe that, blah, blah, blah. Well, I believe, and the whole premise is to convince each other to give. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And that's the header and the footer of almost every debate. And so the church is being tempted right now to be a place where we do not want a Lord We want to be right. And if you look at church history, and this is the sad part, maybe I should say don't look at church history. When you look at church history, this desire to be right is why you drive through our streets and see 60 church signs. There are over 50 churches in our city limits. Just in, in, the, in the city limit, all of them are different. Believe differently. Worship differently. And that's fine until you start to look at each other and go, well, we're right, though. Now, you guys got a cute thing going over there. Got a great building. Love the property. But you're probably going to hell. Enjoy the building. And the air conditioner. <laughs> When we look at each other and say, you're wrong and I'm right, it is not what Christ built as his church. So when we want to be right and we don't want a Lord, the outcome is this. We become a church who accidentally reduces being a child of God to believing correctly rather than believing on Christ. So it no longer becomes, are you just a believer? Are you you believing in Christ or are you believing correctly? And we've done this in a myriad of ways. This is no no mystery, okay? Some believe you gotta pray a certain prayer. Some believe you gotta pray that after somebody. Like, let's let's pray together. Dear Lord, dear Lord, just like you're writing a, a letter. I asked my grandpa one time, why do you always start with a salutation that makes it feel like you're writing God a letter? He was like, I don't know. It's just how my mama taught me to pray. I'm like, okay, that's not good enough, but I'll take it. You believe that you have to pray a prayer to be saved. You believe you got to be baptized to be saved. You believe you have to exercise a spiritual gift to be saved. You believe you got to pledge membership to be saved. But being a child of God is 100% about lordship. When Jesus called these people to him, as he calls James and John, as he calls Peter and Andrew, he does not say, no, come over here, let's all gather around. I want you to repeat after me. You know what he says? Follow me. The correct narrative is not, have you prayed? Have you joined a class? Have you taken Connect? What church do you go to? What do you believe? It's, are you following him? What boat have you abandoned? What have you given up? Is he Lord? of your life. And this is a pride among current generations. Listen to me. 
They want to save themselves. This is the challenge as I, as I talk to my generation and those below them is this pride-filled spirit of going, do I really need Jesus because I'm pretty smart? So they're leaning into intellect to save them. They're leaning into collective opinion. Well, me and my group all feel this way, and God's going to show us grace because this is, this is how my group, my people, believe. Rather than being saved by his blood, they are leaning into what they believe, and they're not coming under the lordship of Jesus. Belief, hear me, is not greater than blood. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Oh, man, I got very little time left and so many notes. <laughs> Listen, instruction sometimes comes with restriction. It does. Sometimes we read something and part of lordship is because I am your Lord and because I love you and because I have an ability to see your entire life from start to finish, I'm going to ask you not to do some things. And these are things that you're going to want and things that could benefit you in a fallen world. My parents growing up, they told me things I did not want to hear. They said, do not climb that tree. I did it anyway. I came down with covered in seed ticks. Okay, It was not a fun experience. My dad said, did I not tell you not to eat fruit of that tree? Wait, that was, hang on, that's a different story. My dad said, hey, listen, I know you've been riding your dirt bike, but listen, we're going to a loose dirt track today. It's going to be different. You got to break differently. You got it, dad. I'm on it. Totally didn't see it. Went through the fence. He said, did I not tell you it was going to be different? You did. I didn't believe it. I want to test drive it. My dad told me, do not quit anything. Do not quit. Do not quit the sport. Do not quit the class. Do not quit a job. Why? Because no one likes quitters. Do not do it. And I've quit a few things in my life, and it's never comfortable. There are just things that instruction sometimes comes with restriction. An example of that, the scripture says, guys, listen, if you're going to follow me, don't be liars. Do not. Fill your mouth with truth. Why? Why, God? Because truth is easier on you. In every, every way, we can give a thousand examples in this room of, of when we lied and it did not work out well. Be, be truthful. Be pure. Okay? Why? Because your marriage is going to be better. Your relationships are going to be, be better. You are going to be better. Filled with purity. He says, listen, I, I, I want you to think on good things. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy and just. Think on those things. Okay, why? Because what you think about, you become. This is all lordship issues. They are non-negotiable things. He is saying, if you want to have the best life in me, do these things. So how to abandon your boat really quick. I got 19 seconds. You ready? This is a great sermon. Here it comes. This is point number one. No, I'm kidding. How can I abandon the boat? Well, if you look at the life of Isaiah and he prayed, here am I, that's never a bad prayer. 
here I am. Here I am. If you're here today and you need to abandon your boat, you just need to tell the Lord, here am I, here am I. I'm here. I'm back. I'm in this moment. I see it. I'm staying in the middle of things I didn't want to give up. Here I am. It's never a bad prayer. Second, do not look back. What distracts you will define you. Don't look back and think back to the things that could have been. Trust in God. Know that your steps are ordered of God. If you walked away from a football career, praise God for it. If you walked away from comfort or a person or a passion, praise God for it. And third, and this, is, this may, may, may be the hardest one, but to shift from wanting to be right to wanting to be righteous, and that only comes through you fully surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because if it's only about you, you don't care about righteousness. But when it becomes about you being with the Father, again, to reference Isaiah, when he saw God, he said, woe is me. No one had to put that in his mouth. That came from his heart. I see the Lord, and I realize who I am in his presence. Shift from you wanting to be right to being righteous. So what can you do right right now? Well, you can give something up. Maybe you're here this morning and you've, you've given him part of it, but not, not all of it. What, what, in, what is in your heart to give up? What habit that hurts you can you abandon this morning? Repentance is an art and a practice that we should be preaching more about. I'll put it on, on me that I should be preaching more about. This practice of going before God and saying, I have had something harbored in my life and I want to turn away from it. That can be you this morning. Surrender your life to God if you want the best life. Put yourself in complete lordship because your human condition is gonna fight that your entire life Surrender again. You are the Lord of my life. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. And I know I'm out of time. David's back there sweating right now, I can tell you. But I'm going to take just a moment. You guys know I was raised in a, in a church that was very, we had a lot of rules. And part of that particular group, and I don't hold this against them. This is just what they knew. But when you got saved, you, you wore a suit to church. And if you didn't have one, you borrowed your daddy's. Why? Because to them, that was lordship. I didn't go to my, to my, my proms. Why? Because they were looked at as something that you just didn't do. But I was told that that's what it meant to have Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. So I didn't do it. Riley was trying on prom dresses yesterday. I was like, I'll tell you why now. That slit right there wouldn't get you into heaven. <laughs> Not when I was a kid. I send you straight to the other place. I had long hair. They said, you need to cut your hair. Why? It was a lordship issue. 
But they believe that that's what it meant. And there were things in my life that I just said, I can't do that because he's Lord. And I look back on some of those and some of them, I think they're silly. Until I became a parent. But there are things. We just need to come back under the lordship of Jesus. Do y'all believe that today? Man, I do. I believe that. Let's stand in this room together today. I'm going to leave you with this. If you've got something in your life where you have not abandoned the ship, do it. Do it this morning. Do it right now. Walk out of here in full abandonment of it. God, I pray over our church today. I love you. I thank you for your word. It is so much about us. Every page is about how much you love us. And I pray if there's somebody in this room today who is not repentant, I pray if there's someone in this room who has not made you the Lord of their life, if there's someone in this room who has harbored something, Lord, we just repent of it. We let it go today. We make you the Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.